Chapter 5 A Barred Path Salafiel removed his sword and hung it on the post in the room. Rubbing his arms, he sat down on the cot. It was not overly comfortable, but it would do. The feast prepared for them had been plentiful and filling. Everyone had retreated to their rooms right after the meal. Nearly two hours had passed since midnight, and Salafiel figured everyone else had fallen asleep by now. He laughed as he groaned, I need to learn when to stop eating. He lay back on the bed, not bothering to remove his tunic. In times like this, it was best to be prepared. Kordok's room was down the hall. These were probably quarters for higher-ranking guards, Salafiel thought. The room was small, but also large enough that it didn't feel cramped. There was no window, which bothered Salafiel a little, as the outdoors were an important aspect of his life. Concentrating hard, Salafiel's eyes began to light up until all parts of his eyes were bronze in color. He lifted his hand, and several spears of light drifted to the top of the room and began to spin. After a moment, the orbs split into dots the size of sand and hung at the same height on the ceiling. A replica of the sky when we arrived, he said. Their father had always taught them to be aware of their surroundings. He did not go as far to recreate all the stars, but had focused on the important ones, such as guiding stars that helped in determining location. He smiled as he closed his eyes. He had been asleep for quite some time when a knock at the door made him sit up quickly. Who's there, he said, standing quietly and stepping towards the door. He pinched himself to make sure he wasn't dreaming, remembering the nightmare he had had the night before they had left. Life's fail. Kordok responded in a hushed whisper. Slafiel opened the door and motioned for Kordok to enter. I believe Algiri wishes to go with us, Kordok said as he lit the torch near the doorway. Slafiel nodded and sat on the edge of the bed. Algiri has always been the sort to want to provide help when it's needed. It's one of the many qualities I like about him. That and having that creature of a beard on his face. Kordok smiled and leaned on the wall. It's kind of him, yes, but I think we need to travel alone. It may be wise to leave now. Slafiel looked around, his eyes landing nowhere in particular as he thought. Finally, he stood and fingered the sheath of his knife. Would it be wise regarding the Tanims? Father always warned that they could see in the dark. Any additional aid would be to our benefit. Korok shook his head. I imagine the Tanims would not expect us to go out when they are most effective. Besides, I would not want to risk Algiri's life or draw more attention to ourselves. They are not as strong as we are, Slofia spoke matter-of-factly. They are not to be underestimated, though. Besides, I imagine word has already sped about princes here in Delgraf. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kordok stopped leaning on the wall. This is true, but still time is short. We need to get out of here and quickly. We must leave while they still think we are here, if word has traveled that fast, in fact. What about insulting the hospitality of Elgiri? Slofiel said. He has given us food and a place to sleep without worry. I feel bad considering all he's done for us. Kordok nodded. Maybe. We must tra trade offense for the importance of Father's task. Slothfiel finally shrugged and conceding the wisdom of his brother's words. I guess it would make more sense to leave. We must take care, care to not travel main roads, and we need to avoid obvious locations. We should cover our faces to hide our identities. We aren't wearing fine linens as someone would expect princes to wear, so our clothes won't give us away, Kordok said. Slothfiel looked at the alluring comfort of the bed. I guess that would have to wait for later, he thought. Why not let Elgiri come? If anyone is to come with us, he is the most trustworthy. He would be a vital ally. Kordok acknowledged this with a nod, adding, The issue is, like you said, word of our arrival has likely reached wicked ears. Our best option is to leave without anyone knowing. Salafiel blinked. You really took what Elgiri said to heart. You'll find that ironic one day. Maybe not particularly funny, though. Salafiel retrieved his weapons and placed them beside his cot. How do you presume we get by the guards? He spoke knowing well his brother had already orchestrated a plan. 
Slothil smiled. Elagiri is just down the hallway in his quarters, and he has his guards posted. There is a window that we could drop from. No visibility, especially in the dark. Slothil strapped his weapons to his back as quietly as he could. Our horses are here, Kira and Lain. Slothil covered his face with the hood on his shoulders. Kordok silently did as well. Kordok's eyes brightened at the mention of Lain the horse he had learned to ride on. I need, to, I need to return to my room to retrieve my weapons. I will be only a moment. Slothiel adjusted his tunic and exited the room quietly. He watched warily as Kordok silently walked down the hallway into his room. Moments later, he returned, giving him a signal of approval, his bow and arrows on his back, and his sword at his waist. Slothiel approached the window set in the wall and looked down into the darkness. He gently grabbed the window's lock and slid it open. He pushed the glass, and it creaked on its hinges, causing him to squint his eyes and grit his teeth. Slothiel waved at him to continue. Kordok whispered, I'll go first to check to see if there are any eyes watching. A cool breeze crept through the window. With a step, Kordok was out of view. The wood creaked under his weight as he stood on the ledge. It's safe, he said. Slothiel climbed through and pulled the window closed behind him. Kordok motioned him down towards the route they would take. The narrow ledge led across the walls, which were gave very little room for them to keep their chests in. Luckily for them, Kordok thought, the torches below were too far away to illuminate them. Pointing down, Kordok motioned to the stables and a convenient placement of hay bales. Kordok jumped down onto the bales of hay and rolled easily onto his feet, stepping into the shadows at the side of the stable. Slothiel mirrored his movement and suddenly ducked behind the pile of hay. Kordok's eyes widened and Slothiel froze. A guard walked up to the hay bales, a torch in his hand. The guard looked at it suspiciously and rubbed his eyes. Hours of watching in the darkness had left him tired and may have made him think the dark was playing tricks on him. The brothers held their breath, not daring the move. The soft thump the guard's metal shoes left, let, them, let them know he had left. Slothiel peeked out, then joined Kordok, patting him on the shoulder as they entered the stables. We hadn't anticipated guards at the at the stable as Slothiel said in a whisper. Kordok shrugged and opened the doors quietly. Torches lined the walls. No guards were inside. Slothiel located Kira, a dark red stallion, both muscular and tall, and began strapping items on him, along with a saddle. Kordok did the same, finding Lain, a silver-gray mare that had seen battle as many times as Kordok had. Kordok and Slothiel began leading them out of the stable by their reins. The horses whinnied, excited by the unusual activity. You better keep your horse quiet or we'll find we'll be found for sure, Slothiel, Kordok joked, trying to quiet his own horse. As they reached the wooden gate, Kordok noticed a cart stopped near one of the other stalls. He walked lying over to the cart and noticed a few apples resting on top of what appeared to be uh, in the darkness to be hay. You know these apples were meant for the horses, Kordok said, as he grabbed the few that remained in the cart and placed them in a satchel hanging on Lain's saddle. Are you finished yet? Slothiel whispered, annoyed. We really need to move. He glanced around the stable and realized that there weren't any horses belonging to the guards in the stalls. Slothiel assumed they were out on patrol or making a trip to Malfay. Either way, it didn't concern him. Let's go, Kordok said. He petted Lain and led her out of the stable. The two horses quieted down a bit as they walked down a short dirt path leading to the main road through Delgraph. They had somehow managed to avoid any interference from the guards. Slothiel hoped that no one would bother to check in on them while they slept. Slothiel felt a little bad about leaving on such short notice without properly thanking him for their, his hospitality. Noticing his downcast face, Kordok patted him on the back. Don't worry, brother. Elguri knows we'll be back for a visit soon enough. Besides, he knows we can't stay in one place for too long. Slothiel gave Kordok a genuine smile, grateful that his brother had a way of making him feel better. When they made it to the main road, they both swiftly mounted the horses with ease. 
Both Kira and Lyane seemed jittery and excited to be ridden, so Kordok and Slothiel urged them down the road at a brisk pace. Before long, they had reached Elgraf's city gates. Without hesitating, Kordok pushed Lyane to pick up the pace, flying through the gates. Slothiel did the same with Kira. They were finally directly en route to Malfate, and time was of the essence. Trees were a blur in the dead of night. Neither of them dared use their magic for fear of being spotted or sensed. They had been riding for a few hours, and the force around them began to thicken with briars and fallen trees. Slothiel led... Slothiel let Kordok bring up the rear. Kordok was the better rider, but he had his bow, so the brothers had agreed that he should be in the rear in case of pursuers. Slothiel shivered and spurred on Kira. Uh, who was just fast enough to stay a few feet ahead of Lyene. The muffled clop of hooves was the only noise that sounded through the woods. They would reach the end of the forest soon. Slothiel held his hand up and came to a slow trot before dismounting. He tied the reins of his horse on a nearby oak branch and walked to the edge of the thinning trees. In the distance was a fire with several men surrounding it. He could not make out who they were. He returned to Kordok, who sat with his bow resting on his arm. Anything of interest? Kordok asked as he drew an arrow, lightly tapping the sharp edge. A group of men around a fire, a camp. The path, the path we took was anticipated, Slothiel said and folded his arms and thought. They must not have expected us at night, Kordok smiled, pleased with himself. There's no way around it without them seeing us, he stated. If we must, we must, Kordok said, walking stealthily to the edge of the woods. Some men sat around the fire in dark red robes. Others were sleeping. One man in particular caught his eye. The man was tall and significantly tall at that. It made Slothiel feel short by comparison, and that was no easy thing to do. I see ten altogether, Kordok whispered. How should we approach this? Slothiel asked. While he studied them, the glow of the scarlet flames seemed to entrance him. Does that fire look like an odd color to you? I'm not sure. I'm going to sneak up and see what I can find out, Kordok pointed to the several tents scattered around the fire. Slothiel acknowledged him and pointed towards a closer spot behind a cluster of trees where he would watch and would not be visible. After settling, Slothiel and the horses in the cluster of trees, Kordok crouched and made it to the tents unseen. A slight twitching movement from one of the sleeping men alarmed Slothiel and caused Kordok to stop. The tallest man stood up and the rest followed. Slothiel grasped his sword tire. The tallest man waved several of the other men towards the tents. Kordok remained frozen, staying unseen even when they passed within a few feet of where he was. The tall man pointed more men toward the space between Salafiel's hiding place and the encampment. That left three men and a tall man at the fire. The way the men walked and was awkward as if they were extremely stiff, and the glow of the fire in their faces interested Salafiel. It was almost as if they were wearing masks made of metal. Kordok stayed frozen, breathing shallowly. These were not men, he realized. They wore masks to guard the true horror of their monstrous faces. They had stumbled on a small group of Tanims. Kordok was not surprised, considering what they had dealt with before. Kordok shivered. The tall team wore a mask that covered the top portion of the creature's face, hiding its eyes but not the needle-like teeth and thin-lipped mouth. The mask was decorated with mandibles like an insect that stretched down either side of its cheekbones. Each of the others wore similar masks. The tall creature gurgled. They will be here tomorrow. Kordok remembered this voice with a silent scowl. Another creature responded in a shrill voice. The princes will not be expecting such a welcoming party, especially since we donned these clothes. The other tiny spoke, calling the tallest creature Belial. Belial stood up straighter and tightened his clawed fist. No one is to sleep any longer. I want constant attention to this path. Belial's extraordinary long fingers twitched. His terrible appearance was only second to his presence and the air in it carried. His face was crooked and his eyes had no color in them. 
his skin was translucent like altanemian. The veins and arteries pumping blood were visible, along with the major organs in their processes. He was the ugly he was uglier than the rest and more menacing. Blau strapped on a curved sword with spikes protruding from the blade side, a cruel blood stained silver. He displayed a disturbing smile, or what could pass as one. Kordak moved as quietly as he could back into position with Slafiel. That's the team from the Ashen. A oh, great, Slothiel said sarcastically. We better make a move fast, or they might hear the sound of our horses, Slothiel cautioned in a quiet, nearly inaudible tone. Especially considering how dangerous that one is, he added. We need to separate them. There are ten of them, not counting any that may be inside the tents. If we can separate them, we may be able to scare them so we can go through. Kordak spoke just as softly as Slothiel. Shouldn't we find another route? Slothiel asked. We have no choice, Kordak replied. The ba best way to mouth fate is through this pass, because going around would cost us several days. Slothiel looked hesitant, but Belial, Slothiel said, trailing off. So much for not making our presence known, he finished, realizing they did not have much choice. They both agreed. Kordak would fire one arrow with his bow from the shelter of the woods, drawing them over, while Slothiel snuck around the tents and maneuvered out of sight. After that, Slothiel would provide a second distraction so they both could move in one direction of their horses, giving them a quick escape. They decided their signal would be Slothiel unsheathing his sword. Would it not be better to ride through them? Slothiel said again, doubting the idea. They can breathe fire, and we are riding sausages with legs. Kordok said, Our horses would be horse soup along with ourselves as additional ingredients if we tried that. Slothiel scrunched up his nose at the thought of cooked horse meat. Just come on. We have no time to discuss this any further, Kordok said. Slothiel got into position and drew his short sword. Kordok nodded and released an arrow of blue fire the arrow whisked through the air and the movement it came into con and the moment it came into contact with the Denemia camp it burst into an inferno of sapphire colored flames Kordok winced as Slothiel ran quickly behind the tents the explosion had disoriented the Denemians they moved around like furious ants while dirt whose dirt hill had been disturbed several Denemians were wounded by the fire search the forest Belial called out Several of those not burned ran wildly into the woods. Slothiel narrowly slid behind one of the tents before the small garrison ran by him. He breathed a sigh of relief. Kordok watched as Slothiel eyed his position warningly. Kordok knew Slothiel would not see him, but knew where he was. He had picked a thicket, a dense one at that. The Tanims growled freely as they lightly walked over the pine needles around them. He held his breath. He could not help but notice how the Tanims made no noise when they walked. He could see them better now. They each wore masks that resembled different types of arachnids or insects. He even thought he saw a mask that looked like an assassin bug, a long spear-like appendage drooping from its jaw. Kordok turned back to Slothiel, who watched intently. Slothiel had cut a hole into the tent with his blade and nodded towards uh, Kordok. Slothiel's palm glowed dully, and he slightly raised his hand towards Kordok's position. With a frick of... Flick, <laughs> frick. <laughs> Sorry. With a flick of his wrist, a, a ball of golden flame tumbled through the forest and landed a hundred or so feet from Slothiel. The forest was alight in golden flames. Slothiel slipped into the tent soundlessly as the Tanims turned and headed to their new source of fire. <laughs> Kordok watched as they went out of view. Then suddenly he noticed that was Belial was nowhere to be seen. Where did he go? He mouthed himself. He heard rustling behind him. He felt breath on his neck. Chills went through him as he closed his eyes, trying not to move. There you are, the deep voice growled. Long, skinny, clawed fingers wrapped around his face and pulled him out of the brush. He felt his neck pop from the sudden jerk of motion. Goosebumps popped up on Kordok's skin as a wave of fear washed over him. 
Snakes only make noise before they strike, the voice said from behind him. The fingers released him and tossed him to the ground. How much of a fool do you think I am? Bilal held his dragged sword to Kordok's chest. To think you would distract me like some dog, he rumbled. Kordok coughed and let his arms lie beside him limply. Oh, hey there, Kordok said, trying not to look scared. <laughs> Greetings, little prince. Bilal said his thin lip grinned, showing his viperous teeth. Let me go and you will live, Kordok challenged, trying his best not to look towards where Salafia was hiding as he scooted himself backward. Bilal cackled. Ah, so it's as simple as that, is it? He said, stepping forward and again placing the tip of his sword to Kordok's chest. Yes, it's that simple, Kordok said confidently, moving slightly. Oh? Bilal narrowed his eyes. Such bold words for someone with small odds of living. A blinding gold light burst upward in the distance, and the screech of the Shanims filled the air. Bilal did not move his attention off Kordok. So you aren't alone, Bilal snorted. The golden light illuminated his sinister features, his white eyes threatening to give way to fire any moment. Tell me, Prince of Flesh, why shouldn't I burn you here until I see nothing but a pile of charred bones? Bilafiel, Bilafiel, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Belial spat. Kordok shrugged. It would, be, it would make it easier if you let me go. Besides, I'd rather you tell me a reason. Kordok could feel a lump forming in his throat. Or, Belial pressed down harder as Kordok grunted. I skewer you where you before they arrive. You give me no good re reason as to why you should be left breathing. Kordok's Kordok eyed the wound left by the sword. It was minor, but uncomfortable. Blau sniffed. Salafiel. So it's just two of you. Out of Alanias to see in such a small group. A ball of flame exploded into Blau's face, making him tumble over violently with a roar of displeasure. Kordok quickly rolled to his feet and brandished his sword. He looked around, unable to see Blau. He blinked repeatedly, trying to regain his eyesight. His vision was riddled with sunspots. The magic had saved him, but it affected him as if he had been staring at a light for too long. Salafiel emerged behind him, his eyes making him appear especially fierce. It's time to go, Salafiel said, his hands shaking. Kordok gave one last glance behind him. All he saw were two white orbs in the darkness. Move, he yelled. Liquid fire hissed by them and burned the outer bark of the trees near them. Salafiel screamed as the outer edge of his left hand was singed. <coughs> go, yelled uh, Kordok again. He turned and fired a volley of arrows. Are the rest dead? Kordok called behind him. Most of them, others wounded, Slothiel said, favoring his hand. Another torrent of flame whizzed by them. This time it did not reach as far as it had before. Kordok could see Slothiel untying both of their horses. The horses' eyes were wide with fear and they beat the ground with their hooves. Slothiel mounted and held Kordok's horse for him. With a flurry of movements, they both rode furiously, putting distance between themselves and the roar of Belial and the other creatures. Over the head, they heard continual thumps of wind. Both Kordok and Slothiel looked at each other, confused. A huge mass fell up, flew over them. Its body was colossal and silvery. It's, it looked metallic as if it were made of chainmail. It gurgled a growl, flying past them. Kordok's mouth was agape as he stared at it. What was that? Slothiel asked, spurning on his horse. I believe that is a dragon that attacked the light prison, Kordok said, watching the dragon fly away. To Saul, Slothiel said, his voice cracking. Keep riding. We cannot stay here, Kordok said breathlessly. Kordok, Slothiel yelled, pointing toward dozens of sets of white eyes visible in the darkness in front of them. Kordok felt panic setting in as he saw how worried his brother was. This was no small group. This is way more than we were capable of handling. What now? Attack them. We have to break through. Slothiel tumbled as he was ripped from his horse. He reached out with his arms, but smacked into the ground. The breath knocked out of them. Slothiel! 
Kordok said, turning his horse, which whinnied a scream and toppled over as a black arrow punctured its heart. Tears of anguish filled Kordok's eyes, and he quickly fastened arrows from his quiver. Slothiel was surrounded by the creatures. Slothiel gritted his teeth as he tore down Tanim after Tanim, but for every one he killed, more came. Kordok loosed arrows where Slothiel could not strike, the brothers working in perfect unison. Flames spewed from the open darkness of the Tanim's mouth, stopping short to where Slothiel held his hand up, a small shield of light cascading around them. The Tanims pounded on the wall, but it only glowed in response. Bilal appeared and gave a hand gesture, telling the others to stop. Slothiel's eyes returned to normal as he released his magic. He breathed hard. You're much stronger than we had anticipated, Bilal said with a flat voice. You're much more than sons of Lysfail, Bilal said, narrowing his eyes. Slothiel, still breathing hard, was unable to respond. Not just a son of Alanias, I would wager also, Bilal said, perplexed. The surrounding Tanims growled warningly. One slumped over and fell to the ground. An arrow was in his back. The creatures had forgotten Kordok. He came running up and fired three arrows strung there with his magic. Three blue starlight arrows hit their mark, and three more creatures fell with a dull thud. Bilal's anger rose. Stand down, Bilal waved the others away. Bilal drew his other sword. Both blades swung next to him. Slothiel moved towards him, and with this opportunity, he took another swipe at Bilal. Bilal pushed him with his left arm, which left him a few feet away sprawled on the ground. How did this happen? Slothiel thought as Bilal's blade came soaring down upon him. He rolled to the right and was on his feet. Kordok fired an arrow, which Bilal easily avoided. Kordok attempted another shot, but Bilal cleared the distance between them with inhuman speed. Kordok lifted his bone instinctively. It shattered in two pieces as it was ripped from his hand. Kordok crouched down and ripped his own blade out of the sheath, blocking the incoming slash. Slothfield drove Bilal back from Kordok, completely focused. Bilal's blades vibrated as they struck Kordok's. With a sweeping motion, Bilal was able to block both Kordok and Slothfield's swords. Bilal hissed a surprisingly deep noise. The silver dragon circled them now, watching the exchange. Kordok and Slothfield glanced upwards no- nervously. Slothfield initiated the attack on Bilal and brought his sword on Bilal's, while Kordok circled behind him. Bilal jeered as they harmlessly passed by him. He's too fast, Slothfield said angrily. Lyle's eyes were wider than ever. The silver dragon roared a trumpeting noise, interrupting them. Belial stared straight for, towards the sky. A bright red torrent of flame descended, swallowing the group of Tanims. The monsters grow- howled grotesquely as they were incinerated. Belial angrily sheathed his swords. Kordok and Slothiel were breathing hard and could not tell if they should be grateful or afraid. To Saul Navet, Belial whispered in a gurgled tone. A distant roar sounded as the silver dragon circled back. The ground rumbled beneath them. Blau spat, obviously displeased. A sharp noise came from his throat. Kordok looked at Slothiel. Run, Kordok yelled as he drew, threw an arrow at Blau, who was momentarily distracted. Blau opened his mouth, spewing a fire that cut off their escape route. I do not care what Elam says, Blau said, looking at them as if they were putrid slime. I will kill you. Kordok swung his blade into empty air. Then try it, Kordok said challengingly. Blau continued to eye him, shaking his head. You would not want to try, he said with a cruel hiss. Slothiel shook his head and gritted his teeth in anger. The shape of the dragon emerged from the dark night. Blau grimaced, which could be mistaken as a shiver running through him. <coughs> Sorry. Slothiel felt suddenly out of breath again. Kordok knelt down and gripped the sword, looking at the coming shape. The shape shrank, and a man dressed in brilliant silver armor landed on one knee and stood up in human form. He stood behind Bilal, his face pale but human. He had a short black beard running along his jaw and black eyes to match. 
His hair was dark brown and shone in the firelight. Belial looked at the man with hatred. The man looked back, expressionless. Kordok felt exhausted and was not eager to see another opponent. You killed them, Belial's lips curled. We were allied. What was the purpose of that? The man snorted. They were unable to handle two men. They deserved it, the man said harshly, turning from Belial. Belial flicked his fingers as if he were visualizing strangling the man. I told them to stand down. These are not just two men. It does not matter, the man spat. It was a lesson to them. They are not dead forever. Immortality has made you sloppy. I saw these two make fools of your many tanims. They deserve to die, but not to die uselessly, Bilal scowled. The man shrugged. Elim requires your presence. Best to attend to him. The man's eyes glinted dangerously. Bilal clawed at his sides, and his body burst into flames. His body dissipated and was gone, but not before he glared at the man one last time. Slothiel looked back at the man, slightly lowering his sword. You may remember me from the Ashen, the man laughed, looking at the two exhausted brothers before him. Do not lower your blade, Korok said to Slothiel, his face red. This is not to say to whoever he's told us he was. The man stood still, allowed a small smile to play across his, a small smile to play across his lips. I am to solve the house of Mavet and its heir, he said coolly. To solve the war criminal, Slothiel exclaimed. Kordok ground his teeth. The war criminal our father has searched for all these years, and he who has caused all this. Saul shrugged. Destroying the prison was easy. Waiting all these years to find a way to do so was a test of patience, to be sure. Kordok began to back away, his sword still between them. Let us leave peacefully, he said. Saul smiled, his armor making him appear almost angelic. Two dragons were carved into the silver armor, with carved flames hurling from their maws. Slothiel looked towards the forest, contemplating escape. Dasal motioned to them. Very nifty little bracelets you have there, he said. What do you want? Kordok said, ignoring the man's comment. He heard his brother shuffle behind him uncomfortably. Forgive my lack of formalities, princes. I am Dasal Mavet, a servant of Elim, son of Dothros, he said elegantly. Kordok angrily gripped his blade tighter. Alanias is king of Lysphal and our father. You speak of Elim, one who sought to steal that right. Tassal laughed, sounding strangely friendly. Each side has its own understanding of the truth. It is for each of us to decide. Besides, we have bigger ambitions and other truths to reveal. So Tassal said matter-of-factly as he held out his hands. Alim is not so small-minded as to only wish to be a king, Tassal said in a serious tone. Slothiel's eyes blinked dangerously with light. Tassal turned to him, acknowledging him, or a fake. You, of course, should be unbiased, considering you're not blood. Tell me, Slothiel. What has your adoptive king told you? Slothiel gave him a hard look. Father warned that you were still in the world and that you were an oath-breaker and a coward, Slothiel said, the strength of his voice increasing as he spoke. Ah, Slothiel, there are many things you and Kordok have no clue about. Your true parents, for instance, till I shot him back. Like children, you believe only what they're told to believe, such as the attitude of the victor, leaving out the details of the true story. Korlak let blue flames spread into his fingers. 